0: Yeah. Am I on? Testing? No. Now? Okay, I don't know. There it is. Yes, no. Yes, no. I means I don't know. Okay, Paul, we're going to get you just one second. Okay, we have a treat this morning. You get to do something that I love to do. We have a baby dedication. <clears throat> <clears throat> Little Mateo Godoy. All right? Why don't you guys come on up here. Okay. And grandma, you're 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 welcome to come up too if you like. May I? May I? Do you think you'll let me? Oh, hello Mateo. Hello buddy. How are you? Only if you were holding it, Dan. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I couldn't let that go. Sorry, buddy. Uh, I'll, I'll refund your tithe after the service. I'm sorry. All right. We have little Mateo Godoy here today. Now, he is at 22 pounds right now. How old is he? Four months. Tomorrow. Okay. But when he was born, he weighed... All right. I can't imagine anything weighing seven pounds coming out of any pore of my body.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, but anyway, we don't do um, baby baptism at Calvary Chapel because little Mateo doesn't realize that he is a sinner yet. We'll give him time for that. But what we do know is that his parents want to pledge his head to heaven for the sake of the gospel they're dedicating him to the lord even as hannah dedicated samuel to the lord so what we are here to do is is witness this and then hold these two accountable for raising this child in the nurture of the lord And when they don't, then we'll give him more and more sugar. (laughs) Okay. So would you mind standing with me, please? And I'm sorry, Vince, that this is going to mess you up. All right. And let's just, guys, let's pray. Um, I got to tell you that this is an honor to do this. This is the second Godoy that I've gotten to dedicate and what? We got four more? <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: okay, we're done. Bad pastor, bad right. pastor, bad pastor. Bad pastor yes. <laughs> Father, we bow our hearts before you. And we bring this precious, precious life that you have given us to rejoice over. I give thanks for the fact that Angel and Eric's names are written in your book of life and that they have a throne of grace to come to when they have need. And I'm sure, Father, with raising children, they're going to have lots of needs to come to that throne. But you've already shown yourself so faithful. You've always shown yourself, Father, that you care and you are concerned for their children. Now, we dedicate little Mateo to you, to um, Father... um, be raised in your admonition. May they nurture him. May they, Father, guide and direct his life as you would see fit for them to do. We love you, Lord, and we love this precious life. We are here, Father, to support them, to love on them, and especially to pray for them and for this little guy. We pray all of this now in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen. There you are. All right. Thank you, guys. All right. You may be seated. I'm going to have Paul come up and do the announcements. And then Marilyn will come and do the reading. And she has a quick thank you that she wants to give you all. So, guys, if you want to make him feel all right about himself, why don't we welcome Paul Pauls? Thank
1: you. You're welcome. I'm on, right? Now I'm on. Was that just beautiful or what? Mateo, congratulations. Congratulations. Good morning, Calvary Chapel, Arrowhead, and everyone at home, everyone here. We have a packed house today. We can tell that the uh, Child Center is open and everyone is back. So welcome back for those of you who are back now. And uh, for those of you that are at home, I hope you're safe. Uh, Just a reminder, if you haven't already voted, please make sure you do. not going to tell you who to vote for. But if you're from Chicago, make sure you vote early and often. (laughs) Sorry, I did not say that, that's somebody else. Okay, first announcement, Uh, turkeys for Tomahawk. Every year, you know we donate uh, turkeys to the uh, uh, Tomahawk, every year Tomahawk Elementary School. Uh, This is not bring your spouse, drop them off. This is money for turkeys. (laughs) Each year we bless Tomahawk with families and a bounty of turkeys. We will be accepting monetary donations for this through Wednesday, November 18th. You can donate online. Or you can use a tithe envelope, uh, but please remember Tomahawk. Uh, do you think they could use the Tomahawk stick? Okay, no. Uh, but again, you can donate directly also by clicking, at, and you want to go on out to the CC uh, Arrowhead site, but it's https://ccarrowheadchurchcenter.com/slash giving/slash two/slash turkeys//four/dash Tomahawk. So you can go on out and get all that uh saturday november 7th at 9 a.m is the women's bible study our women's bible study will be meeting on saturday november 7th at 9 a.m and will be in person and on zoom so you can join us or you can join on zoom if you are new to cca this is a great way to meet people and enjoy some fresh fellowship uh, again you can join anytime by going to aroha blah, blah blah go on out to the site i'll give you the address again so get your pencils ready you can go out and find all of these announcements out there, and I'm sure if I read them all off, you're not gonna get them all anyway. Saturday evening service, starting this Saturday, Pastor Dennis will be starting a Saturday evening study, and we'll be going through the first book of Thessalonians. That's starting this Saturday, November 7th, at 6.30 p.m. The overall theme of First Thessalonians is the second coming of Christ. If this interests you, and I think it should interest all of us, please make sure you're here. Uh, It will be of interest to you, and I'm sure it'll be a great time. November 21st, 7 a.m. Guys, grab your camelbacks, grab your Bengay, grab your sunscreen. (laughs) There's going to be a men's hike Saturday, November 21st at 7 a.m. That's a.m. Okay, in the morning. The men will be going on a hike November 21st at the White Tank Mountains. Everyone is to meet at Sam's at 7 a.m. Sam, you want to raise your hand so you know Sam? I thought it was at Sam's Club. Okay, no, at Sam's. (laughs) At 7 a.m. And then from there, they'll carpool. They'll be leaving about 7.30. So if you have any questions, please contact Roy or email on the site. I'll give you the site in a second here. Uh, It's info at ccarrowhead.com. You can RISBIP online. I'm sure Sam will talk to you but Roy will also be coordinating. Let's see what else we have here. If you forgot your pencil or if you're thinking, "Paul, you've given us a lot of information today." Please, best thing you can do is go to Calvary Chapel Arrowhead's website. That's ccarrowhead.com. Really easy to remember. All of the announcements that I've given you today are out there plus other important information. To get important messages sent directly to you. If you want the weekly messages sent to you, you can go out there as well and sign up at the Calvary Connect form. That's out on the website. Go to the Calvary Connect form and you can fill it out and you'll receive all of these notices automatically. Stay up to date, no COVID transfer for anything that comes through the computer so you're safe and you can use that website all you want. Okay, last but not least here, these are the announcements for today. And I, mi- I kind of mixed these around a little bit. I hope you don't mind. <laughs> for Calvary Chapel Arrowhead today, where our children are extremely good looking, all of the children, the women are strong, the men are scared, I mean, humble. <laughs> and most importantly, the word is taught. And that's the most important thing and why we're here today. And I wasn't going to do this, but on the way here, I really felt moved to write a little prayer. It's a very brief prayer, and I'm hoping you'll all join me in it. Um, Given our turbulent times right now and our very uncertain times, I think we as a church need to remember that our God is bigger than all of this. So please join me real quick. Dear Lord, in these troublesome times, please bring peace where there is turmoil. Please bring love where there is hate bring certainty where there is confusion right now. Bless us, Calvary Chapel Arrowhead, all the people in America and the United States right now, regardless of who wins on Tuesday, please make the victor pure of heart, pure of discernment, the right discernment for the country. And we ask, we remind ourselves that nothing, nothing is too great for God. And no matter how much turmoil we're seeing, No matter how much we're seeing, God can bring peace. And we ask this through our almighty God. Amen.
2: Our Tomahawk students are so blessed to have you um, choose us as a mission uh, field because you touch the lives of many families and many children every single day. Our school is located in the Maryville area where our students, 96% are on free and reduced lunch and they just need some support. So I'm so excited. We were planning for turkey Trot, and so so excited that we're moving forward with that. I just um, thank you so much for um, choosing my family. Um please stand for the word of God. And we're reading from Exodus thirty four, verses eighteen to twenty-eight. The feast of unleavened bread you shall keep. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, as I commanded you in the appointment time in the appointed time of the month of Abib, for in the month of Abib you can <coughs> you came out from Egypt all the open moon are mine and every male firstborn among your livestock whether ox or sheep but the firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem by a lamb and if you will redeem him then you shall break his if you should not redeem him then you should break his neck all the firstborn of your sons you shall redeem and none shall appear before me empty-handed Six days you shall work, but on the seventh day you shall rest. In planting time and in harvest you shall rest, and you shall observe the feast of weeks for the first fruits of wheat harvest and the feast of ingathering at the end at the year's end. Three times in the year all you men shall appear before the Lord, the Lord God of Israel. For I will cast out the nations before you and enlarge your borders. Neither will any man covet your land when you go up to appear before the Lord your God, God three times a year. You shall not offer the blood of my sacrifice with leaven, nor shall the sacrifice of the feast of the Passover be left until morning. The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring to the house of the Lord your God. You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk, Then the Lord said to Moses, Write these words, for according to the tenor of these words I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. So he was there with the Lord forty days and forty nights. He neither ate bread nor drank water, and he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. Oh, Jesus, thank you so much that we can enter in, not three times a year, but every time we choose. Lord, help us this morning to sit at your feet, to have ears to hear your words directly directed at us, and to have an open heart to transform and change our lives for eternity. Lord, I thank you for this morning, for a church that honors you and your word, that teaches it every Sunday and every chance we get to gather together, Lord. I just praise you and give you glory and honor for all that you do and all that you are to your people here at Cowboy Chapel Arrowhead. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. You may be seated.
0: We're going to continue on in Exodus 34. A couple walks into a pastor's office, my office. Am I on? Yeah, you're going to regret that. Uh, Angel, I just want to tell you um, word, she's left. Never mind. <laughs> it's good to have her back. Um, we're blessed to have these ladies who have such beautiful voices and their talents are given. To, to, thank you. And I just want her to know, though, that she's used all of her sick leave. Okay. Um, she can't be absent anymore. All right. The couple walks into a pastor's office for some premarital counseling. And they're excited, understandably. And the pastor asks them what it is that makes them think that their marriage will last. He said, All oh, pastor, we love each other so much. This is a match made in heaven. He said, Yeah, but you want to be careful because that's where lightning and thunder come from, also. <laughs> Matches may be made in heaven, but we're all still responsible for the maintenance. If you've been married for any length of time, you should understand that by now. That's what this section is all about. It's about keeping the love alive between God and his specially chosen people. You've got to think about that, how, how fortunate they are to have been chosen out of all of the people groups on the earth at the time. He chose them. Why? Because he wanted to. There wasn't anything about them that was special or unique other than the fact he chose them. And now they are choosing him. Now they came very close to losing it all. First thing he had told them was, don't make any gods before me I mean, because first of all there are no other gods okay it's just a figment of your imagination they have demonic roots in them it's going to lead you to a place you don't want to go i am the only true and living god so don't have any gods before me moses goes up into the mountain he's talking with god and what do they do the first thing they do is make another god worship something that they were familiar with from egypt a cow all right um did that hurt god's feelings well it definitely made him angry right so much so that he was ready to destroy them and start all over again but moses through the ministry of intercession which we have seen is a very very powerful force the ministry of intercession saved them right yes no okay and Now he's saying, all right, basically, this is what you're going to need to do to keep your love and keep your focus where it needs to be. James Dobson said concerning any relationship, but especially marital relationships, that you have to work to keep the love alive. You have to protect it and maintain it just like you would a delicate flower. For a lot of people that's just, you know, if I'm gonna have to work at this relationship now, I'm out of here. I don't wanna have, I work eight, nine hours a day, I don't wanna have to come home and have to work for this relationship also. I saw that lady on Donahue, you guys remember Donahue? (laughs) Yeah, say that. And uh, she was single, no wonder, right? Because relationships require work. To keep the love alive, we intentionally do those things that are pleasing to our mate. And don't do those things that displease them. Unless you just want to annoy them. We become a student of their interests. And we become a student of those things that cause pain. And sometimes we learn by making our mistakes, don't we? Okay, I have already given you the context, but let me just say this. Just as our marriage vows, in our marriage vows, we pledge to forsake all others, so we, in our relationship with God, promise to forsake all other gods, which are no gods. Now remember, last week we learned that God has a trait that we tend to think of as negative. He's jealous He's jealous, but it is a righteous jealous. It's negative for all of us. It is positive for him because he loves us with a fiercely protective love. And then to help safeguard that love, he's given us these guidelines and where we're at today for staying in that place. Now, Jude tells us that we need to keep ourselves in the love of God. Well, you can't really escape the love of God, but you can get yourself outside of his blessings, okay? You can get on his bad side where it's sort of a cold relationship. Here's how you keep the fires burning. Summarize it with these three principles. First of all, maintaining the practice of corporate worship, uh, maintaining God's Sabbath rest, and thirdly, offering God our very best. So we're going to start with maintaining the practice of corporate worship. Um, And this is probably the most important thing of this section. When we look at this section of Scripture, you read it through. It's just like a hodgepodge of different ceremonial laws, uh, the Ten Commandments, and, and other things. And it just seems like it's just, well, it's like reading a fifth grader's paper. Okay, it doesn't really flow the way our Western eyes like to see things flow. But if you, want, if, you, if you pay attention, you can get, there is a, I don't know what I'm saying. You can't even understand the pastor. I can't even flow.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> to nurture their love for God, they were first told to corporately worship him at three pilgrim feasts per year. Now. This is all maintaining that love, keeping that love alive. And that shouldn't sound strange to our ears, because we nurture our love for our mates by gathering to celebrate them on birthdays, don't we? Anniversaries, okay? Christmas. We recognize they exist, but we also celebrate their life and their relationship with them. And if you habitually neglect those times and those gatherings, well, then your love is suspect at the best, right? wonder what's gone wrong. Now, this chapter, this portion in Exodus 34, it mentions all three of the annual feasts. Now, if you're a student of the Bible, you know that there are more than three feasts, right? There are seven feasts, but these three are the ones that are are, uh, very important to God. Look at verse 18. The feast of unleavened bread you shall keep. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread as I commanded you in the appointed time of the month of Abib. For in the month of Abib you came out from Egypt. Now that month is now the first month of their existence. Okay. It's not January. It's Abib, whatever that was in the time of the year. The feast began with the Passover. You guys remember the Passover, right? They were to sacrifice a lamb, spill the blood, collect the blood, and then dip a of, branch of hyssop, and then sprinkle the lentils, the lentils and the doorpost. The lentils—that top part that goes by—we never see lentils. I'm thinking of beans. Okay, but the lentil is the top part, right, Roy? <laughs> You're the carpenter, and then. The, the doorpost, and if you look at it, it makes the form of a cross. And the angel of death came by that night and all the firstborn were killed. And that would have been whether it was an Israeli house or whether it was an Egyptian house. If it didn't have the blood covering, the angel of death would slay the firstborn. And this reminded the Israelites what happened that night when God delivered them from Egypt. And they were to make bread for themselves, but not use leaven to make the bread. Now, leaven is yeast. You're aware of that, right? And when you introduce yeast to a lump of dough, it causes it to rise. But that takes time. They don't have time. They're going to have to beat feet fast after this happens. As a matter of fact, they're going to get paid to get out of there, and the faster they go, the more they get paid. Just go by this time. Deuteronomy 16 says, You shall not eat leavened bread with it, the, pas- that is the, with it, the Passover lamb. Seven days you shall eat with it unleavened bread, the bread of affliction, for you came out of the land of Egypt in haste so that you may remember all the days of your life, the day when you came out of the land of Egypt. So the celebration is to remind them of this fact. It's a very precious thing that is being done for them. It's a very amazing thing that's being done for them. And for that first generation of believers, it is strong and powerful. But somehow they're going to have to transmit that to their children and to their children's children. But for the sake of keeping their relationship with God alive, they celebrate this feast. Now, Paul in 1 Corinthians 5 um, discerned the symbolism of leaven as being sin and corruption. He said about uh, this church that was accepting the fact that they had a person who was living in immorality and they thought that they were so progressive in their thoughts that this was just as acceptable as anything else. And he says, no, this is a little leaven. It's going to leaven the whole bunch of y'all. It's going to spread and, and make all kinds of different sin and um, deviant behaviors. So he says you got to root it out <clears throat> in Matthew six. 6, or 16, 6 Jesus said that to the disciples, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now when they heard that, they walked out thinking, there's something wrong with the bread they make. You know? Um, you know, don't buy pharisaical bread, okay? Avoid the, the wonder bread of the Pharisees. And he goes no, no, you don't understand. And he's really speaking of was the hypocrisy of saying one thing doctrinally and then doing something else. That was the leaven, because the leaven spreads. If they can do it, I can do it. And if they can take it an inch, I can take it a foot. And you see how it goes. How many of you know what I'm talking about, right? You give them an inch, they take a mile. You've heard that saying. Well, that's what he's, That's what they're talking about. Now, in Exodus 12:15. It says, seven days you shall, you shall eat unleavened bread, and on the first day you shall remove leaven from your houses. Well, How do you remove the leaven from your houses? How many of you have a gluten-free diet? Anybody have a gluten-free diet? Do you have to be very careful about the other substances? My daughter is, is, is in on that, and that is just tough. It's hard. It's hard for Dad when he comes over, and I want pizza because I love pizza, but she can't have any kind of gluten or anything in the household, so even if it's in the air. So God is saying, get rid of all the leaven in your house, and the way they would do that, of course, would be to sweep it out, to sweep it out. So this feast symbolized the separation from the spread of sin. When we worship corporately, we are reminded of our deliverance from the bondage of sin. How many of us have been forgiven of our failures, freed from our addictions? How many of us have come and laid down these things at the foot of the cross where he was waiting there with open arms? Romans 6.4 says, Therefore we were buried with him through baptism unto death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So when we gather together, we need to sweep out the floors of our heart, clean it, confess it, repent of the leaven that may exist there. Okay. Now verses 22 through 24. We see the Feast of Weeks. You shall observe the Feast of Weeks. That's the second feast. Of the firstfruits of wheat harvest and the Feast of Ingathering, which is the third feast at the year's end. Three times in the, in the year, all your men shall appear before the Lord, the God of Israel. This is also mentioned in, in Exodus 23. What would happen after the Feast of Leavened Bread, they would count off seven weeks from the Passover, which is the Feast of Leavened Bread happened during the Feast of Passover. They were sort of one and the same. They would count off seven weeks, and that's where you get the name, Feast of Weeks, all right? See how that works? The Feast of Weeks, which is also known as the Feast of Harvest or First Fruits, what do you just just Could you just settle on one name, please? The first produce of the harvest was presented as an offering to God. And at that time, they praised God for the land and its abundant harvest. Remember, he says, I'm bringing you into a land flowing with milk and honey, meaning it's a fertile land. The crops you're going to grow there are just fantastic. You, you aren't going to believe the abundance you're going to have. Even today, Israel is that way. It's one of the major exporters of fruit and flowers to the world. Now, they're celebrating God here as the provider and for, as the God who is faithful to his word and to his name. And by the way, this is furry, this is for free. This feast of weeks is also commemorates, also commemorates. The anniversary of the giving of the Torah by God to the children of Israel. Celebrating the word of God. When we gather corporately, we should have on our minds the goodness of God on this great country that we live in. It's abundance in all of the natural resources that we are blessed with and all the resources that bring that abundance of the fruited plains to our
2: tables.
0: Everything from the knowledge of agriculture, the fertile ground, the farmers who work the land, the the people who harvest it, who who make it into the things that we enjoy and that we eat, put it on the store shelves, and the jobs that we have to be able to financially go to the store and pick it off the shelves. How often do we give thanks for the abundance that we have? And how often do we take things for granted? I started praying long ago before meals, this very prayer of asking God to thank you for the abundance of our, our country and thank you for all of the resources that bring it to our table. And then I said, I even thank you, Father, for the animals who give their lives that we may sustain our lives. I said that in front of some people, and they just started cracking up. You know, what, what in the world? You're praying for dead animals? No, I'm saying thank you to a creator who made all of these good things. Um, Robert McCracken, who was a, a pastor said, we on this continent should never forget that men first crossed the Atlantic, not to find soil for their plows, but to secure liberty for their souls. It was that honoring and putting of God first, I believe, that helped us realize the abundance that we have here in our country. And here, I'm going to throw this quote in for free. How many of you have seen Alexander Hamilton, the musical? That's been out. Anybody seen that? It's it's actually it's a it's quite a production. It is one of the best Broadway productions I've ever, ever, ever seen. Very slick, very good. But it, it, yeah, it leans a little bit to the left, and if that bothers you, you probably won't want to say it because you're gonna be arguing and complaining at the TV through the whole thing. But still there's a lot of things in there that are true. But let me just give you one real quote from Alexander Hamilton. He says, I have carefully examined the evidence of the Christian religion, and if I was sitting as a juror upon its authenticity, I would unhesitatingly give my verdict in its favor. I can prove its truth as clearly as any proposition ever submitted to the mind of man. You didn't hear that in the uh, the play, by the way, just so you know. I want to just say something here. And I'm not just quoting news, talk, radio, okay? But we do live in the greatest country on earth. We are abundantly blessed. And with God's grace, we will continue to be. But we're not without our sins, right? The Bible says, to whom much is given, much is required. And we've fallen short of late. And especially, and maybe even more specifically, the church has lost its saltiness and its light has become dim. But it's not over. It is not over. There could be revival in the wind, guys. There could be revival in the wind. I am tired of the haters who all they want to do is magnify the sins and the supposed sins of our country and our people. We are blessed of God, and blessed are you if you realize that, if you understand that. I just want to pause right now, and let's just pray for our nation. Do you mind? Let's just bow our hearts. Father, I just want to acknowledge right now that you are the Lord God of all the universe and of all the earth, and we are a blessed nation, knowing, Father, that we were fundamentally founded on the truth of your word for the sake of being able to worship you freely. And you have blessed us. You have blessed this nation. So much so that we have, Father, been a blessing to all of the nations of the earth. But still, Lord God, your church now has sort of fallen asleep. Your church has become complacent. I pray, Lord, that this time that we are going through will serve to wake us up Remind us of our responsibility. Remind us of our past, even as you had the children of Israel. Remember, through the feasts, the goodness of you and and how you brought them out of bondage. Help us to remember your goodness towards us. And let us return, Lord, to that work. And we pray the prayer of Habakkuk, Lord. We heard your speech and we were afraid. Please revive your work in the midst of years, and in the midst of years, make it known. And if indeed, Lord God, we are to be chastised in wrath, please remember mercy. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's move on. Then there was the Feast of Ingathering, or the feast also called the Feast of Tabernacles. In-gathering was when they would harvest, right? And they would bring it into the barns and such. And when that work was done and the crops were safely in they would celebrate. And during this celebration, the Israelites brought large offerings to God. And for one week, they lived in makeshift homes. They would live in these little makeshift tents that they'd make. And at night... They would remove the palm branches so they could see the stars. They didn't have any light pollution that they had to deal with. They could see the stars and they could tell their children. The promised Abraham that I will bring you into the land and I will make your descendants more numerous than the stars in the sky. This reminded them also of the years they had spent in the wilderness when God provided for their needs day by day day. When we gather on Sunday morning, I don't know what's on your mind, but one thing that should never ever be far from your mind is that where did you come from? How did God minister to your needs? Remember the times that God has kept his word and provided for you, for the unexpected checks in the mail to pay overdue bills for the knocks on the door by strangers bearing boxes of food, for the short-term jobs that would provide for you until you could get to that long-term job, for the phone calls of encouragement, and even for life-saving phone calls. I just gave you a litany of things that our family has gone through, and we've seen God's hand provide. I was laying on the floor and not realizing how near death I was because I had an abscessed colon that was ready to burst. And when I finally did get to a doctor, um, he didn't expect I was going to live. I didn't know that then when I was laying on the floor. All I knew was I was in a whole lot of pain. Phone rang. I picked it up, and it's a friend who's a nurse. And she says, out of the blue, do you need a doctor? (laughs) I think. (laughs) I think. And that's when I went to the doctor and, well, I'm still here. So, A firm faith in the universal, universal providence of God is the solution of all earthly troubles. If you've got a God who can provide like that, really, what do we have to worry about? Now, I'm not telling you you're not going to worry. Trust me, you are, Okay. But the fact is, you have a faithful God who who is always to do above and abundantly more than you could think. Philip Yancey said, A God wise enough to create me and the world I live in is wise enough to watch out for me. Is that true or not? Amen. The Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Ingathering, and four other feasts not mentioned here are all examples of corporate worship where they were reminded of the great facts of their salvation in tangible ways of God's saving grace and providential care. All of that nourished them in their love for God. And that's what should be happening here as you sit. Remembering what God has brought you through should be nourishing your love for him. Now, to help keep their love alive and to avoid the disaster of falling back into idol worship, God has them maintaining now a practice of corporate worship. You got that, right? Several times a year. That was the yearly plan. He also had a weekly plan, and that's found in verse 21. And this has to do with entering into the Sabbath rest. Six days you shall work, but on the seventh day you shall rest. In plowing time and in harvest you shall Rest. This is called keeping the Sabbath day. Um, I think it's important that you realize just how important this was to God back in the day. Uh, Exodus sixteen twenty three says, and you could turn these if you're fast enough. If not, if you got a, if you got an electronic, we'll, we'll see how fast your thumbs can fly. But Exodus sixteen twenty three says, he said to them, this is what the Lord has said. Tomorrow is a Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Okay? Then in Exodus 23, 12, he says, six days you shall do your work. And on the seventh day you shall rest, that your ox and your donkey may, just see if you're paying attention, rest. And the son of your female servant and the stranger may be refreshed. Exodus thirty-one fifteen. Work shall be done for six days, but the seventh is the Sabbath of... Oh, I love that. That was great. Perfect. Rest. Holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. Uh, seriously? Very Seriously? Then Exodus thirty three fourteen, he said, "My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest." And then ex- Exodus thirty five two, work shall be done for six days, but on the seventh day shall be a holy day for you, a Sabbath of what do you guys need? How many of you say, "I need rest"? Any of you? Yeah, absolutely each time the Sabbath command is repeated we learn that it's all about rest now in Exodus 34 21 which is where we should be at right now that this Sabbath was to continue without interruption every week from then till eternity come take one day to rest to rest Today, in our culture, keeping the Sabbath is generally regarded as one of the least important commandments, if indeed it's a commandment at all. We take this commandment as seriously as we take the 55-mile-an-hour speed limit on the Maricopa Freeway. But in Exodus and in Leviticus and in Deuteronomy and in Numbers, The Sabbath seems to be one of the most important commandments. And to violate it means capital punishment. If there ever was a time when it seemed appropriate to break the Sabbath, wouldn't it be when weather was perfect for planting or the crops needed to come in from the fields? Don't you think? I'll Sabbath later. Right now, I got work to do. But God says no, no, no. Even at crucial times in the agricultural calendar, he wants his people to rest. And rather than depending upon their own exertion and their own intuition and their own drives, they needed to step back and trust him to provide. Does that sound familiar to you guys? Am I speaking to anybody here today? I know I am, so, you know. In verse chapter 35, turn there, and you're going to see a strange application of what it means to keep the Sabbath rest. Chapter 35, verses 2 and 3. Work shall be done for six days, but the seventh day shall be a holy day for you, a Sabbath rest to the Lord. And whoever does any work on it shall be put to death. Okay, again, the seriousness of it. You shall kindle no fire throughout your dwelling place on the Sabbath day. Say what? No fire. How am I going to cook my food? No fire. Man, it's freezing outside. I just need to light a fire. It's cold in here. No fire. No, they were supposed to make provisions. They were supposed to cook enough food for two days. They were supposed to have a fire lit that would not go out. They were not to do any work they were to rest all right now some orthodox jewish communities took this law and amplified it and they said that this law forbids the use of electricity or any other form of power on the Sabbath okay and of course you remember by the time it got into Jesus's day they had distorted these things all over the place as far as what constituted work and what did not if you had false teeth I'm not going to ask you if you have false teeth, all right? But if you had false teeth and they weren't implants, um, you couldn't walk because that meant carrying something that was not part of you, and therefore that was considered work, all right? So it got ridiculous. It really did. And Jesus reminded them that the Sabbath was made for man, and it it wasn't there. But he knew that we would need rest, and he also gave us conscience. He gives us freedom of conscience that we should set aside our regular daily work on the Lord's Day, and that's the point of that regulation about the fire, okay? The real point of the regulation is that we need to take a break from the daily or the regular daily routine. I understand that not working on the Lord's Day and not being in church on the Lord's Day is considered optional in our culture, Okay. And though we say we'd rather be in fellowship or that we would rather really rest, it always seems to come up with reasons why our situation is the exception to the rule. I mean, the house needs repair, we're behind in school, they've got a project due at work, um, the cat needs to be neutered. Um, Whatever it may be, you find a lot of reasons to avoid Being in church, because to be honest with you, if you if you're really being honest with yourself, coming to church is more like work. Alright. But remember this: God has given you freedom of conscience. Your salvation does not depend upon you keeping the Sabbath or being in church. And there's no condemnation if you do work. You got that? You heard it from my mouth. All right. But The only way to enjoy the blessing of the Sabbath is keeping God's holy rest. And the busier we are, the more important this is, not less. Rest. Like everything else in the Christian life, it takes obedience and it takes trust. Obedience and trust. Is there another word for that? It is an F word, by the way. Faith. Don't let your minds go wrong. Faith. Faith. We need to do what God says and then trust that six days are enough to do whatever it is he has truly called us to do. Now remember in verse 23, where God appointed three times a year, every man should go up and appear before the Lord to celebrate him. Well, that meant traveling many miles for some. Well, what's that got to do with anything? Well, what do they leave behind? Crops, fields, boundary stones, right? And so they would be worried, naturally, that others who did not go to the feast would be tempted to move those boundary stones and therefore gain a little extra property for themselves because no one was filing title deeds at the time. And their property could get... Stolen or torn down so they would naturally worry. It's sort of the same thing that we do unconsciously If I don't keep up with this, it's going to overtake me If I don't keep repairing the house, it's going to fall apart if I don't change the tire in the car It's going to go flat, etc, etc, etc And maybe their enemies would attack but look at 24 God is telling them, you've got no worries guys Because he says, neither will any man covet your land when you go up to appear before the Lord your God three times in the year. He's saying that he would put a guard around that property and take care of it because you're walking in obedience to what he has commanded. Just a couple weeks ago, remember, we talked about Joshua. He had a fight going on and he needed to finish up his work, right? And what did God do for him? He caused the sun to stand still. Now, I know you guys, you you never finish your work, especially the housework, it is never, ever, ever done. So maybe if you would pray, God would cause the sun to stand still. And you know what would happen? Nothing, you still wouldn't get it done. (laughs) You take advantage of it and head to Prescott or Flagstaff. But 1 Samuel 2.30b, 2.30b, Chapter two, verse 30, the second half of it, the Lord says, for those who honor me, I will honor. Those who honor me, I will honor. Again, no condemnation if you just haven't got it. But what a blessing if you could walk in this. What a blessing if you could experience it in faith. Will you worry about it? Yeah, every second. Sometimes you'll worry so much that it would have been just better just to go ahead and do the work anyway. But once you get the hang of it, You'll understand that God has got your back. How many of you know who Toby Mack is? Anybody here know Toby Mack? Anybody? Okay. Well, let me just, he's a prophet, by the way. Just wanted you to know. He's a hip hop prophet. Okay, hip hop. How many of you know what hip hop music is? I know I'm talking about older generation here, okay? It's, this is not Led Zeppelin or Creedence Clearwater Revival, all right? Hip hop. Song he wrote from his Momentum album. Somebody's watching. I love this song. And it goes like this. Watch, baby, watch, baby, he got my back. See, I'm down with the king, so I got it like that. That's you. Watch, baby, watch, baby, he got my back. I'm down with the king, so I got it like that. All right? Just remember, keeping these feasts and keeping the Sabbath holy were for the purpose of nourishing the people and their love for God, to help keep them from falling into idolatry. They gathered for worship, and as they worshiped, they were reminded in tangible ways of God's saving grace and of his providential care. So here, as far as the Lord's Day, when we gather, spending time together, which is important for any love relationship, um, this is a day of rest in God's grace. Honoring his, his holy day keeps us in that love. I hope that you walk out of here more in love with him than you did when you walked in. I hope you walk out of here more refreshed than you did when you walked in. Here God is saying, look, let's just get together on that special day, the Sabbath day, just, just you and I, because I want to hear how you're doing. I, I want to tell you again how much I love you. I want to keep the fire all right, let's move on now. Finally, in the vein of keeping love alive, let's look at verse 19 and 20 and see about giving God our very best. Actually, this is in verse 26. It says, The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring to the house of the Lord your God. And the NIV renders that, bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. Bring the best of your first fruits. Okay. But before that it starts with the firstborn. In, in in verse nineteen it says, The first offspring of every womb belongs to me, including all the firstborn males of your livestock, whether from herd or flock. Redeem the firstborn donkey with a lamb, but if you do not redeem it, break its neck, redeem all your firstborn sons, no one is to appear before me empty handed. That's important. No one is to appear before me empty-handed. All right? You're coming. You're going to meet with him. Well, let me tell you, what would, you do, what would happen to you if you, it comes upon your anniversary, men, and you come to your wife empty-handed? Yes, exactly. Okay? And now, I'm not going to comment too much on these except to say this. God gave his, his, us his firstborn, as it were. So these are all types, but notice that the donkey, it needed to be redeemed, okay? That wasn't something the Lord would take, okay? And so he's sort of relating us to donkeys, all right? If you keep the analogy going, you know, we've already been, if you know the New Testament, that we are sheep, which is not a compliment, all right? Okay, and now we're donkeys, okay? And that's not a compliment either. A donkey was a ceremonial, unclean animal, unclean and stubborn, and besides uh, be caring to dumb sheep, it was weird donkeys. Okay, the point is no one is to appear before God empty-handed. If you want to avoid idolatry and his assuming wrath, you want to maintain this special unity and relationship with him, bring me your best. Do you expect the best from your spouse, those of you who are married? Or maybe you've been married for so long now that you realize that you're never going to get their best. (laughs) Yeah. But, yeah, I see all the husbands going, no, no, no. (laughs) Truth is, we should be giving the best to our spouse, shouldn't we? To the one we love. They should be receiving our best. Oftentimes, we give them our worst. And by God's grace, they accept it and still love us anyway. But we should be bringing our best, and we should bring the Lord the best because he's giving you his best, his son, right? Verse 26, the first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring to the house because of the Lord your God. And again, the NIV renders that, bring the best of your first fruits. And what is certain in the first half of this verse is that God is telling his people to bring them the best. God wants the same from us. He wants our first and he wants our best that's acts of worship. In Hebrews 13:15 it talks about giving the best of our lips. Hebrews 13:15. If you're quick, you can make it there. Therefore, by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Do you remember the difference between praise and thanksgiving? Praising him for who he is Think about the attributes of God. Just meditate on those. The creator, the God who provides, the God who heals, the God who gives peace. Praising him for his character and his nature. And then thanking him, specifically naming the things that he has done for you. Father, I thank you for everything you've done for me. And he's going, could you name one? Can you name one thing? Okay. And then you have to think about it, won't you? And then when you start thinking about it, all of a sudden your attitude in your heart changes. And by the way, in marriages, um, if you start thinking always about the negative things, you're in trouble. If you're thinking about just what you're not getting out of the relationship, that relationship is headed for destruction, okay? But if you will stop and think of the good things that that person has brought into the relationship, your attitude will change, and the enemy will be driven away. Um, we are to give him the best of our congealed life. You know what congealed life is? It sounds something like disgusting. That just like jello, it just sits out there, congealed and gets hard. No, congealed life is what you put your blood, sweat, and tears into to earn a living. Okay, that is congealed life. That's why money is so important to you. First Corinthians sixteen two says, "On the first day of every week, each one of you is to put something aside in proportion to his prosperity." and save it so that no collection will need to be made when I come. That's from the Amplified Version of the Bible. So that is the best of our first fruits is is the finances that we give. And this is all to be done as an act of worship. And then to sum it up, God wants us as an act of worship. Romans 12.1, you guys know this, right? I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Now, do you think that if you give all of this to God, that you're getting nothing in return? He just takes and takes and takes and takes and takes and never gives, right? What have you done for me lately, Lord? What have you done for me lately? Well, I would. I would be nice to my wife if she would respect me. Well, I'd respect him if he were nice to me. What's going to happen? What's going to go first? Matthew 19, 27, Peter is listening to Jesus talk. And he says, you know, we've given up everything to follow you. So what do we get? What do we get? Jesus says, I assure you. That the, when the world is made new and the Son of Man sits upon his glorious throne, you who have been my followers will also sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. This is Matthew 19:27 through 29. And everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property, for my sake, will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. And in another gospel, it says, not only in the life to come, but in this life also. So now you're thinking about, oh, God's an investment scheme. Okay? This is better than a 401k. Well, yeah, it is. But you know, if you were to become homeless right now, would not God provide for you a home somewhere? If you were to be carless right now, Will God not provide for you transportation? He may have taken your $3,000 Hyundai and ticket to the scrap heap to give you a $60,000 bus to ride. <laughs> Point is, is that he will provide for you more than, than, than you know. Now, our challenge is to keep the love alive. And we do that by maintaining the practice of corporate worship By entering his Sabbath rest and by giving God our best. Okay, here's the things I want you to reflect on. God appointed covenant feasts to help his people stay in love by warming their hearts with gratitude and rekindling their affections by remembering. Let's rekindle our affection by remembering that these Old Testament festivals were all fulfilled in Jesus Christ well what do I mean by that well let's take Passover and the the feast of love and bread at Passover people praise God for providing a lamb right so that the angel of death would pass over them God has provided for us the Lamb of God Jesus Christ so that we will never experience the sting of death Okay. The Feast of Unleavened Bread reminds us also to sweep sin from our lives. Because, as Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. And though we tell our kids it's for your own good, he really means it. The Feast of Weeks reminds us that God has provided bread for us. The bread of life. That we may have our daily bread. To have our daily daily needs met as he answers our prayers, right? Give us this day our daily bread. And God has another promise in Philippians, that God will supply all your needs through his riches in Christ Jesus. And then the feast of ingathering, that looks towards the final harvest when we will feast with Christ in the kingdom of God. If he's kept his word in the past, will he not keep his word for the future? If he's keeping his word now, will he not also keep his word for the future? Let's turn to Revelation 19, 6 and 7, and we'll finish with this scripture. And then we'll partake in communion. This is a future attraction. Revelation 19.6, Then I heard again what sounded like the shout of a vast crowd or the roar of mighty ocean waves or the crash of loud thunder. Praise the Lord. For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice. Let us give honor to him. For the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb, and his bride has prepared herself. Are you listening? God deserves our praise for his great salvation every day. And Jesus Christ is as risen today as he was on Easter Sunday. And he is coming again just as surely as he came the first time. Thessalonians tells us we need to comfort one another with those words. And until that day, God has given us another feast to keep, to remind us. It's a sacrament. It's called the Lord's Supper. That's right. And like Passover, the Lord's Supper reminds us that God has provided a sacrifice for our sins. And that is part of the pattern of worship God has helped to keep us stay in love with Him. As Jerry Riken said, it's a feast of love in which God displays the extravagance of His affection for us and rekindles our passion for Him. Following this pattern of corporate worship helps keep us in the love of God. Good place to be, amen? Amen. All right, we're going to serve communion now. I would ask the worship team to come on up and our leadership to take their places behind the tables. Um, What's going to happen here when we actually start taking communion, we ask you to come up these center aisles to the tables that are nearest you, then cycle around the back into your seats, okay? The first thing I